Well, it's a pleasure to be here this morning. I've done a lot of thinking about what I was going to open up by saying and, and what it was that I needed to say. Because for some of you, you know this and some of you don't. I actually come to church here and was a member of this church when I was a, a kid, when I was uh, a teenager. This is where I attended church. And the part I needed to think about was whether I could handle this. Because when I sit here and I think about the people that influenced my life and where God's brought me today, it started in this church. Some of those folks know and some of them don't, but I, I still remember being at RA here in this church and Alton Cole, Donna, and they were such an influence on my life, on who I was. I, I can remember uh, Miss Donna, sometimes we were, listen, we were really bad kids. I mean, really bad kids. And I can remember her in times in class, I'm not talking about afterwards, tears rolling down her face. And I never really knew whether it was because she loved us so much and wanted us to change or whether she was fighting really just strangling us. But I realized honestly through it all that it was because she cared about us so much. And she influenced us. And Alton, he spent years after that, even when I became a man and was married, he played softball with us. And listen, I don't think he cared that much about it by then, but he still did it because me and some of those other young men asked him to come and play and, and wanted him to be a part of it. And he wanted to be around us. And, and Gary Wood and Teresa, they, they were important people in, in, in my life here. And, and Bill Kenimer, I mean, I can remember, listen, I said bad kids, I meant bad kids. We would come on Wednesday night and listen after class before we had to come in here for big class or in the old building for big class. We'd go running around the roads now. We had, I had a motorcycle and so we were all old enough to get on that thing and, and well, Mubble Hill is what it is today because we caused pro a lot of problems there. And uh, I mean, he had to get us out of trouble with the police and all kind of stuff. And, and man, they could have kicked us to the curb. They, they could have said about us what a lot of the world said. We wasn't worth it. Uh, we were outcast. That's not what they did. And today I've been pastoring a church for 15 and a half years. I pastor a church that sends me on a minimum of two mission trips a year and never ask a question. They allow me to study and to try to further my education and knowing that it would be a strain on me, they still let me do it. They let me go and have the opportunity to preach to people in foreign countries and teach pastors. And you realize that started in this church? All that started from those people. And so I'm not standing here today because of anything that I've done, but it's because of what God's done. And he started with some of the people that go to this church that are still in this church that I can see you right now and I know you. And you know where I came from. And God changed all that. Yeah. Amen. And so I come here today to preach to you out of my heart to tell you that I love you. Yeah. And I hope and I pray that you're in the fight. That you're stu still doing what God has called you to do. Because as we get older, sometimes our, our thoughts go to, well, my time is past. It's time to turn this over to someone else. It's time to give it to someone else. And I want to say to you, I do realize sometimes that, listen, our paths and our purposes change some. But the truth of the matter is you're never out. You're never out of this fight until you take your last breath. And so this morning, I want to preach to you on this thought. Has my purpose changed? Has my purpose 
has it changed? When I look out amongst you, I, I see something that maybe you don't see when you look in the mirror. When I look at you, I, I see a wealth of knowledge. I see a lot of wisdom. I see a ton of experience. What I see when I look out here is the backbone of a church. I know that a lot of the younger people have to do a lot more other things and a lot of the things that take place in every service. Some of the young people are doing it, but they're doing it because you taught them how. And without you and without you showing them, they're not able to do this. Without someone in this generation teaching the next generation and the next generation, it doesn't work like this. This place isn't what this place is without the people who are sitting in this room right now. You see, I see the experience and the wisdom and the backbone of a church that's been faithful to God and loves God. And so today, if I talk to you and I speak to you just like you're 45 years younger than you are, you'll have to excuse me because for me, that's what you are. If I speak to you and I don't reference you as, as, a, as a has-been, as an old-timer, as someone who's done, as someone whose time is over with, you'll have to excuse me because that's just not what I see you as. I see you different, and I hope and I pray that before this is over with, that if you see yourself like that, you'll change how you see yourself. You'll change how you feel. You see, you're not washed up. You're not finished yet. You'll be finished when you draw the last breath. As long as you breathe, as long as you have something to say, as long as you serve God, you still have a purpose in this life. The truth is, is our purpose never changes. It's just the path. It's just the way that God chooses to use us that may change. Purpose is always the same. It's always been the same. Spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I know no other purpose. Some people do it in different avenues, different paths, but it's still the same. Every person that's ever been saved has been called to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to look at you that way, and I'm going to preach that way. I'm going to try to preach truth. And so, has my purpose changed? According to Romans chapter number 8, verse number 28. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's read it again. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, when we start looking at the book of Romans, we have to understand where our text is. We have to understand what's being said here and talked about it. Listen, I, I never tell anyone, you ought to just go pick a text out and whatever it says, if it fits what you're wanting to say or what you want to preach about, just preach on that. No. You've got to know text. You've got to know understanding. And so when we look at the book of Romans, we understand that chapter 1 through 8 is demanding righteousness. When you look at uh, chapter number 9 through 11, we see a denial of that righteousness. And then chapter 12 through 16 is a demonstration of that righteousness. And so when we're in these first eight chapters, we're looking at this demand for righteousness. We see that 
uh, Paul is preaching, he's talking, he said, listen, I realized something when God showed me, when I got saved on the road to Damascus, something became a reality to me, something became a truth to me, and that was this, that that law that I was serving was more than something that was physical, that it was supposed to be spiritual, it was what God intended in it. It wasn't supposed to be just a physical act, it's supposed to have been a spiritual act. You see, when he was a Pharisee, all he knew and all he understood was what? That there was a law here and the law said do this, and so that's what he did. It didn't matter what the spiritual side of him was. It didn't matter what he thought about. It only mattered on how he acted. Now, that's kind of the way we get sometimes. We assume that just because we control the flesh enough to not act on it, that sitting there thinking about it, lusting about it, fantasizing about it, and all those things is okay. And that's just not true. That's just not what the Word of God says. God's Word shows us that when Paul realized this and understood this, he understood that, listen, it wasn't important that I just don't sleep with my neighbor's wife. It's important that I don't fantasize about my neighbor's wife. It's important that I don't think about her. See, it was more than just this physical thing. It was something that was spiritual. We look through God's Word. He instituted this law. He called sacrifice. He commanded sacrifice to take place. And then he gave us the detail of how he wanted the temple to be built. How he wanted, listen, every single instrument of the temple. How he wanted it to be set up. How he wanted it to be made. How the sacrifice would take place. And he put detail after detail after detail in the altar. And listen, uh, in the laver, in the, the, the showbread, the candles, everything had detail of exactly how God wanted it all to go. And then we find in his word he goes... I don't want to sacrifice. I'm not interested in that. They were like, what, God? But you instituted this. You put the law there. He said, I don't want your sacrifices anymore. Why? Because you've missed the point of what the sacrifice was all about. You've missed what I was trying to teach you, what I was trying to show you. It wasn't about the sacrifice. It's about the obedience. It's how the obedience would show you that this was spiritual. That's what the sacrifice was about. Just like circumcision, it was never about the physical act. It was always about the spiritual effect that it would have on man's heart. And you and I got to understand and realize when we're reading God's Word and studying through God's Word that He is showing us clearly that this is not about how we act just on the outside because on the outside we can hide from everyone else who we really are. problem comes in when you and I think we're hiding it from God. You can't hide who we are. You can't hide what you do. Listen, I, I could sit up here today and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on all these computers and all that kind of stuff, but I've noticed something that, listen, uh, some of us older folks spend as much time on our phone as the young people do. Amen? I mean, when the preacher says it in church and he's talking to the young people, y'all always amen. But when we're talking about us, we'll get on those phones and we'll look at that stuff. We'll spend hours talking about people. And next thing you know, we're wrapped up in gossip. We're wrapped up in foolishness. And guess what? No one else knows. We're wrapped up seeing stuff you don't need to be seeing. Well, that's not my issue. You might be shocked about the person in front of you or behind you. But nobody knows. I want to say to you, God knows. God knows that you're showing an obedience to everyone else on the outside. But what's really taking place on the inside is the spiritual you is you're broken. You're tore up. You're messed up. You're you're flawed. You're not doing this the way God's called us to do this. And it leads to us losing 
our focus on what our purpose actually is and wondering or knowing if our purpose has changed. So we start thinking about everything changing when we're not where we're supposed to be, when we're not doing what God has called us to do. And so when you look in the scriptures and Paul began before he got to chapter 8 and chapter number 7, he, he gave us a, a very profound reality. He said, the things that I want to do, those are the things that I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I, I do. I, what a profound thing because all of us here can relate to that, can go, well, man, we look at that and see what Paul's talking about. And, yeah, man, it happens in my life. It's, it's something that takes place with me. Is I want to do better. I want to be better. I, I want to get this uh, where, listen, no one knows. But I don't always get it that way. Can I say to you, if we're striving for better, we're missing the mark. I'm not trying to do better. You realize that, and I'm, this is a, a very frivolous way of putting this, but let's just give an example here. If someone cusses 20 times today and they say, I'm going to do better tomorrow, and they do 19, is that really better? Was that the goal? Is that what we were looking for? Is that what our intentions were? I want to do better. I've heard it over and over in church, over and over and over. I want to do better. I want to do better. I don't want to do better. I want to do right. I want to do what God's Word says, and it says to do right. It says it speaks and teaches about holiness, purity, righteousness. I want right. I don't want better. Better is based on what man's idea of better is, not based on God. God doesn't say better. He says right. So what we're thinking about in justifying who we are and what we do and where we are in our life and where it's gotten us to and we're, we're at this place going, well, you know, Paul did say those things that I want to do, I, I don't do those. The things that I don't want to do, those are the things I do. And so if Paul said that, and, he, and you know how good Paul was, it'd be fine with me. It'd be, it wouldn't be that big a deal for me. Well, sure, it's a big deal. Paul didn't put that in there for you and I to use this as an excuse in our life to make it okay. Paul was trying to teach us something, trying to show us something. He went down further in that, that chapter. In the last two verses, he said in verse 24 and 25, he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Who can do that? God can. Verse 25, he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And then... Look how he begins chapter number 8. With that thought in mind, he says, There is therefore now, verse number 1, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, can I say to you today that your battle in your flesh may have changed over the last 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. Some of the battles that you go through are, are different. Listen, um, maybe you don't have some of the same issues that some young men have and maybe you don't have some of the issues that some of the young women have they've changed some but can I say to you there's still battles there's still battles that need to be won most of our battles listen that we're facing is what's going on in our mind what's going on with our bodies listen let's, let's don't kid ourselves uh, listen I woke up this morning just like I did for the last I don't know however many weeks days and months with my back hurting I wake up and sometimes I have to get over out of my bed and I have to stand there for a minute and make sure all the oil gets to my joints so they lubricate my knees so I don't literally face plant before I can get to the bathroom. That's not to mention having to get up during the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. 
Amen? Amen. I, ladies, you used to stand there for hours and cook and hours and cook and do and make and cook and do. And now you're, you're looking over your shoulder and going, are these young people ever going to come in here and do this? I mean, the, the, the things that we're dealing with in our flesh, they change some. They're different, but they're still battles. They're, they're still things that need to be won. They're still issues. And when we start doubting ourselves physically and sometimes doubting ourselves mentally, do you know what we began to do? We doubt our purpose. Can I really fit into this anymore? Listen, somebody younger, somebody more, listen, alive, someone more with more energy, someone who can do this, who's not hurting all the time. Surely they can do this better than I can. Do you understand if God called you, he wants you. He doesn't want them, he wants you. He may want them later, he may want you to teach them, but he wants you. No matter who you are, listen, I, I can remember in the last days of Billy Graham, I, I remember when, listen, 9-11 happened and they had the big church service and there were several different denominations that got up there. And listen, I want to tell you something, all the ones I heard before him were no good. Did that change Billy Graham's message when he got there? Let me say what they had to do to him. They had to help him up. He couldn't hardly walk. I'm talking about he was barely moving. I mean, some of y'all may have saw this. Y'all know I'm not telling a lot. He's barely moving. I mean, he could hardly get himself up there without somebody. I mean, he, he'd gotten on up in age. Listen, he, he's probably older than most anyone in here at that moment. And he got up here and he finally got his feet planted behind the pulpit. And I want to tell you something. He didn't water down anything. He told them exactly how it was. You're not going to get to God you're not getting to heaven but one way. His name's Jesus Christ. You're not going to get through all these other false things. And I mean, he was last, so he'd already heard everything everybody else said. He wasn't watering it down. He wasn't scared. He had nothing to be scared of. And that's where you are. I told Brother Wayne back there just, just yesterday, or the, maybe it was Saturday. I said, I can't wait to get to be your age, Brother Wayne. He said, what? I said, because I'm right on the edge. Because right now you can... So you can Tell somebody something, you go, did I say that? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I'm not quite there. I just got a little bit longer. I'm in just a few years, and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be able to go, huh? Y'all, I know what y'all got going on. Y'all know everything that's happening. It's just convenient. Huh? The Graham got himself up there and he preached the word of God. you know why? Because that's what he was called to do and his purpose wasn't over. And I'm not looking in a room full of people whose purpose is over. The problem is I'm afraid that maybe you think your purpose is over. And the thing is, until you realize that you're not done yet, you're still just going to be a pew sitter. You're still going to be an excuse maker. You're still going to be someone who lets someone else do it. And I just don't believe that's what God shows us. And so when we look in the, the text this morning, so all those things to build up to this place, in this text, Romans 8 and 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose. The thing is it's, that catches my eye first is all things. He said all things work together for good. The thing about it is for you and I, we oftentimes question that. It's like, well, maybe it could, maybe it won't, or, well, there's a reason why it didn't, and, well, I wanted this to happen, but it didn't happen, so maybe that, you know, it wasn't meant to be that way. And That's just not what the Scripture says. Scripture has no excuses. It has all things 
God didn't say a maybe. He didn't put a possibility. He didn't say if we felt like it. He didn't say if it worked out. He didn't say any of that. He said all things. So you and I have to accept the fact that all things work together for good. Whether we see them as bad or not is irrelevant. God said they all work for good. And you see, what you and I sometimes see as bad may not necessarily be what God sees as bad. And what you and I see as good may not necessarily be what God sees for good. Let me give you an example. You and I can intend to do well and it turn bad. Anybody here, listen, any, any pastor, any father, mother who's ever dealt with this, anyone who's had brothers in this, any of you who've been, uh, listen, uh, rescued and saved out of this, understand what addiction can do to you. Addiction is bad. It, it ruins lives. But you know what we do when we're parents? You know what we do when we're brothers? They're in trouble. We go help them and we keep giving to them and we keep giving to them. And we, we know that, listen, if we don't help them, if we don't give to them, if we don't take care of them, that, listen, here's what's going to happen. No one else is and they're going to die. This is going to go bad. And the truth is we think we're doing good, but we're really enabling someone and helping someone do something and keep a habit that's killing them. Because we love them so much, we can't watch them go to the bottom. But I want to tell you something. If I would not gotten to the bottom, I could never have got to the top. And listen, I haven't arrived to the top yet. I want to get there in glory. But I can tell you what I got. I got my mountain climbing boots on, and I'm going up the mountain. Amen. But I had to start at the bottom. I had to, listen, somebody had to let me get to the bottom and love me enough to let me stay there until, listen, I looked up and saw God. Till I realized God had been there the whole time. It's not because he left me. Listen, he's always been there. Just too wrapped up in me to see it. You see, we think we're doing good. But really, I believe in God's eyes, we're enabling. We're helping someone actually to continue to do bad. And it's going to end up costing them their life. Sometimes what we see as bad, I just don't think God thinks is bad. We spend our life trying to live. We think death is bad. And listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. Anyone here who knows me knows death is nothing that has escaped me. Uh, I've, I've lost a lot. The price of death has been great in my family and in my life. I lost my mother on my third birthday. I lost my father 10 years to the month later. Uh, listen, I, I don't have any grandparents alive I went to the doctor the other day and they asked me about heart disease and I had to look the guy in the face and say, I don't have anybody who's lived long enough to actually give you an accurate account of that. So I, I'm not standing up here and I, I want you to know that if you don't know me, you, I'm not frivolously talking about death like it doesn't matter, like it doesn't hurt, like people don't mourn. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we spend our whole life trying to live, 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 and I'm wondering why we want to live so much. Is it because we don't want to die? Is it because we're afraid of death? Or we, What is the reason why we want to live so much? I really believe when Paul made the statement, he said, listen, I'm betwixt two things. I, I know that there's a need for me here, but I want to go home and be with Jesus. I want to go to glory. I really do believe that if you would have said, okay, Paul, take your choice. Do whichever you want to. It's not going to be held against you. What do you want to do? He'd say, I'm ready to go. I'm going now. You see, his purpose for living wasn't to be here longer. Because he didn't want to die. 
His purpose for living was to spread the gospel, the need that was there for him to speak about Jesus, to tell others about Christ, to, listen, start the churches, uh, listen, educate the preachers, show them what to do, how to do this. He knew that. And so his choice for life wasn't so that he could, listen, live here longer, enjoy the grandkids more, and listen, everybody knows the grandkids are better than they tell you. Listen, I, I lived my whole life thinking about grandkids and never knew they could be so good. But that can't be what life is about. Can't be about those things. It has to be about spreading the gospel. But when we lose focus on what our purpose is, when we forget that God works all things for good, whether we think so or not, we're forgetting our purpose. Listen, anybody can just about come up for some reason. They can get on some talk show and tell everybody why the world owes us. The world don't owe me anything. We have to make decisions on what we're going to do for Jesus. And those decisions don't stop because you got old enough to get a senior coffee. They don't stop. It just means you get to go get some free fuel to help you go and last the rest of the day. Amen? Y'all are going to have to smile a little bit. Let me know I'm not hurting your feelings. Listen, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but if God hurts your feelings, I can't do anything about it. Reality is he said all things. Who was he speaking to? Well, he made it clear. He said all things work together for them. Who is them? Who are them? Those that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. Those are the ones. Those are the ones that I'm going to do all things that are good. And so listen, you understand that even though you don't understand death. I had this question posed to me a long time ago. Any pastor probably had this question posed to him. I had a, a young man ask me when his mother-in-law passed, he, he said, I want to know why God would take someone good and leave all these bad people alive. Now, y'all know me. I, I'm no philosoph philosophical giant. I don't have a lot of big words to say. I just gave him what I thought was truth. I said, you and I don't know what God knows. You and I don't see what God sees. You see this as a hurt for you. I said, you don't know what this lady would have faced tomorrow. You don't know what next year would have been. You don't know what the next day would have been. You don't know what anything would have been. For all you and I know, this was the most loving, merciful, kind thing God could possibly do was take this person in an instant just like that and them not have to suffer. Well, then the question begs, well, then why do some suffer? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I, I know this. And talking to a friend of mine, he said, I don't want to go like that. I don't want to suffer. I, I want to just go out here. I said, I'm going to tell you what I want to do. Whatever God thinks is good. If me going quick is the best thing for my family, I want to go quick. If, if the best thing for my family is for me to suffer and them get a chance to say goodbye and all those things, then I want to lay there and suffer and let them say goodbye so that when I go, there is no surprise for them. So they're not in any place blaming God for what's happened. I won't do whatever's good for God, whatever he says. See, I don't have all these big answers. I just have reality. Just have scripture. It's what's right. So it works for those who love God. And the Bible tells us in Mark 12 and 30, he says, 
And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. He said, you got to love God. You want things to work good, whether we know it or don't know it, whether we see it or don't see it, whether we understand it or don't understand it. What I do is trust that God knows best. And so, therefore, that works because we have to love God. If we love God, we have the assurance, we have the knowledge, we have the understanding of knowing that, listen, even though I don't understand, even though I can't get this, he's working it for good. Why? Because I know I'm a child of God. I love him with everything that is about me. I love him. I love him more than my wife. I love him more than my kids. I love him more than, listen, my grandkids. I love him more than money in the bank. I love him with all that I am. And because I know that and I love him that way, I know that all things work for good. Because he said so. I'm not going to sit around and debate with God. God said so, and that's how I know that it's those who love him. Listen, he's the author of love. 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. So why would I want to argue with him about what love is all about and what it is to love someone? He said, if you love me, you can know that I'll take care of everything. You can have that assurance. The Word of God tells us, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In 1 John chapter 2, I think verse 2, he said, and you'll know that you love me if you keep my commandments. Isn't it amazing the number of people who do nothing for God, never act like they love God, never say they love God, anything of that nature, and then say, well, yeah, I'm saved. He said, you know this, and this is the proof of it, that if you love me, Keep my commandments. Don't forget that you have a purpose. You see, I told them in Matthew 28 to go and to preach the word. I told them to spread the gospel. Paul taught that and throughout his epistles, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I gave you a purpose. I gave you a reason. Don't forget that. Then when we look down, he says... Those who are called according to his purpose, that everyone has a purpose according to Jeremiah 1 and 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. and Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. You see, God knows us, and he knows who we are, and he knows our purpose, and he gave us a purpose. He told Jeremiah before he was ever born, before he ever came out of the womb, he already had a, a purpose for him. But I do believe that Jeremiah had his option. I believe that Jeremiah could have forsake God. I believe that Jeremiah could have got so far down the road as a prophet and said, I don't want to do this more, and he could have quit. He would have answered for everything that he would have did, but I do think he has a choice. But God said and told Jeremiah, when Jeremiah was wondering if he could do this, God was assuring him and saying, you understand, Jeremiah, that I knew you before you were born. I'd already ordained you. I'd already called you to do this. It's not whether you can do it. It's whether are you going to do it. Will you do it? When he called Moses, Moses said, Lord, who am I that I could do this? I can't do this. He said, listen, it's not whether you can do it. It's whether you will do it. I'm going to send you somebody who'll speak and be elegant talking. I'll send them for you. I'll give you a mouthpiece. You just got to go do what I say. I think sometimes for you and I, we get to this place where it's easy for us to sit back and, and complain about what everyone's doing. Listen. I don't want you to raise your hands, but if we were to raise our hands 
and admit how many times we've complained about the younger generation. How many times we gripe about how they do things. Listen, I know y'all a bunch of godly folks, but I bet you've even sat in this church and said, those, God, those young people, look at them over there. They're just they're not behaving like they need to. They're not doing what they need to do. And we'll say it about the younger people who are leaders. Ah, the ah, young, those young people there. Here, here's where I'm going to be a little sharp. What good is it to sit and complain if you're not going to do something about it? Now, let me explain what I mean by that. I'll do it with the Word of God first. Titus chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 1. He said, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, or able to control themselves, sound in faith, in love, and in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becoming holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober and to love their husbands. Well, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have no wife that speaks to me like that. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have nobody do like that. Well, let's see what this says. It says, that they may teach the young women to be sober and to love their husbands and to love their children and to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Well, best I can understand by the word of God, he's saying what we need to have going on in our church is that the older generation of men and women should be helping to teach the younger generation of men and women and showing them what's right. Listen, no wonder they don't know how to treat their wife. I wouldn't be married to no man talk to me like that. Well, no wonder he doesn't know how to talk to her if you don't tell him. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. I told you this is going to be the sharp part. How much Bible reading were you doing at 20? Listen, you should be doing a lot. You should be studying the Bible. You should be studying the Word of God. Well, listen, there's no excuse. But when we get to reality, how much were you doing it? How much do you suppose they're doing it? I'd like to think, and I'm sure the youth minister here wants them to know that, listen, all of them are doing it, and the, the young adults in the college class know, oh, yeah, I'm sure they are, but listen, let's be real. Maybe they're not doing it as much as we think they should. Well, that means they didn't just read this scripture. So who's going to tell them? Brother Zach, so you got to do it? Brother Zach, you need to spend your time every day, forget some of this other stuff, pick the phone up and call every person that's under 40 and start telling them what they got to do. Really? No. He said, I want the older Crowd, I, I want the men and the women who are older who know this. You remember how we started this service? What I see is not a bunch of old, washed-up has-beens. What I see is a bunch of wise, experienced, and ready, everybody. But now we're not so much on what Brother Billy was saying about that now. 
Because now we have to put our feet to the fire. We have to actually do what the Word of God is telling us to do. Because if we're not, we're not fulfilling our purpose. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. Remember, we said sometimes our purposes change. The battles are a little different. But there's nothing wrong with our mouth. We can still teach and educate and show them how to do these things. Uh, listen, we still need to talk to our kids. Just because your kids moved out doesn't mean they don't need to know what to do. They need to be called down if they don't do it right. Well, I don't want to do it that way. Well, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that's what Christians do, that when you see a brother who's doing something they shouldn't be doing, that you go over there and love and talk to them and show them how this is supposed to be. If you hear a wife or a husband talk to one another in a way that shouldn't be talked to, that listen, at some point you need to pray about that and walk over there and talk to them and say, listen, let me help you with something. Let me show you something that could, uh, listen, help you avoid some pitfalls along the way that could keep you from having some heartache and goodness gracious, maybe even keep you from divorcing. Because I, I was willing to open my mouth and do what God's called me to do because I, I've done been around this thing. I've done seen this thing. I know how this works. Well, they don't know. And unless someone tells them, how are they going to know? I'm not talking about someone just standing behind this pulpit. I'm talking about the one-on-one -on -one conversations where someone can look someone in the eye and know they're listening to them and see what they're saying and understand where they're, they're looking from and that there's no uh, ill will, no, no bad feelings. That, you know, when you look into someone's eyes, you can tell whether they care. Yeah. And they'll know that I'm not telling you because I'm mad at you. I'm not telling you this because I don't care about you. I'm not telling you this because, listen, I feel like it's my, my right of passage to, to listen wear you out every chance I get. No, you can look into their eyes and when you see that love and that concern in their eyes and, you, and you're talking to them and they see that in you and you're expressing to them, listen, let me help you and show you something. And by the way, don't just sit there and tell them, take the Bible and say, listen, you see what the Word of God says right here? You see what this is? It talks about wives, young, young ladies being this right here. And young men need to be this right here. And that's what the Bible says. And so when I share this with you, it's not me saying this is me trying to be faithful to the Word of God and show you truth so that you don't have this problem. You don't deal with this. But ladies and gentlemen, if we, we just sit here and what we do is say, well, listen, I'm done. I, I'm finished. My time is over. I am washed up. I, I'm an old person. I don't have to do that. My, listen, I've already done my job. I've already carried my Listen, I had someone tell me that one time in church. said, I ain't doing no nursery stuff. I'm not caring for any of that kind of stuff. I've already done my duty there. I said, I didn't know you were dead. We need somebody in the nursery. Who's going to do it? I can tell you what I'll do. I won't be in the pulpit on Sunday morning. I'll be back there in the nursery doing that. Is that what we want? I know. Good thing y'all go to Enon. <laughs> you don't have to listen to this. I've heard you preach though, brother. It ain't no better. Just as tough as I am. Listen, folks, it's because I love you. Listen, I started this by, by recognizing that I know some of you folks. I've known you for years. So I'm not here. As I thought about this and prayed about this, it, it wasn't, I mean, you asked me months ago. It wasn't long after that I was already writing notes down on what I felt like God wanted us to talk about. Months later, I didn't ask somebody what's going on in this church. Again, I haven't talked about this at all. Steve, I don't even know what Steve's preaching tomorrow. He didn't know what I was preaching today or Wednesday. I don't know what Brother Kevin's preaching. I just know that this is what God laid on my heart. And I want to close it with this. 
We've got to teach the people the ways of God because it's what we know. Maybe the most important word in the entire verse, at least for me, he said, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. I think the most important word to me is no. You see, everything that happens after that, he said, you know. We know this. We know that these things can work good for those that love God. We, we know that it's about those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. I know this. How do I know this, brother? First of all, you're here today and you know you've been saved. You know that salvation is more than just a head knowledge. It's more than something that, listen, I just believe in. And listen, understand that Scripture tells us the word believe, but we've taken believe in the in the, in, in new world in 2022, and we've changed that to just a, a knowledge of something, not really a true word of belief. See, the Bible says that belief means to be all in. It means all about it, not to waver from it. You're convinced of exactly what this is that you believe in. And so when you're convinced of something, then therefore believing in Christ means to make him Lord of your life and that you're going to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after him. Listen, the Bible's clear. The demons know who Jesus is. The Bible says that, listen, legion fell down and worshipped Jesus. They know exactly who he is. I know a lot of lost people who know who Jesus is. I know people who will say they're lost and tell me, I know Jesus died on the cross. I know he's the son of God. So what's the difference between them and any other person who says, I believe that? The belief comes down to the lordship. When you're all in, you make Jesus lord of your life. And when he's lord of your life, it changes things. Now it's no longer about you. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter what age you are. It's not about you. It doesn't matter if you're three. It doesn't matter if you're five, if you're ten. When you're teaching your kids not to be selfish, it's not about you, honey. It's not about you. That doesn't ever change. When you get to as old as we are and older, listen, it's not about us. It's about him. It's about spreading the gospel. We have to make sure that we do it right. So I think that you and I need to start in this place. If any of these things have spoke to your heart and God has spoke to you. I think it starts in repentance. To repent is to change or to have a change. To turn from or away from something. To do different. Repentance is something that we use almost like a jack-in-the-box. Let me explain what I mean. I talked about this a little bit yesterday, Sunday morning service when you get into Ezekiel chapter 19 and 20 and you, you start reading about the text in there and what happens in that text, the bottom line is this. The elders went to Ezekiel after trying to inquire of God or plead with God. And then they went to Ezekiel and they wanted Ezekiel to help them to plead with God and to inquire of God. And the Lord spoke to Ezekiel and he said, after going through the whole thing of, well, I helped them out here, and they turned right back to sin. And then I heard them in Egypt, and I helped them out here, and they turned back to sin. And then I, I got them out of Egypt because they asked me to, and I heard their cries, and they turned back to sin. 
And listen, I got them out in the wilderness and I was going to take care of them. And listen, when I didn't do it the way they wanted to, they turned back to sin and they complained. And then, and then I gave them food and I gave them water and they turned back to sin. And then I went, then listen, Moses went up on the mountain for me to give him the law. And when he didn't come back in the amount of time they thought he should come back, they turned back to sin. They, they made an, a golden calf. They made an idol. And he said, after all those things, this is what he said in the scripture. He said, they come to inquire of me. And I will not hear from them. They've inquired and said they're sorry. They've inquired and said they're sorry. They've inquired and said they're sorry. And they don't mean it. And I'm not going to listen to them. In fact, he told them, he said, the reason why they're scattered all the way from, listen, Judah and Israel all the way up to Babylon is because of judgment. And now they're in the middle of the judgment scattered out of the land that I promised their fathers. And they're still in the middle of sin and serving idolatry. They're still looking after false gods. And they're going to come to me like I'm just any other god and say they're sorry and, and say that they want me to come and hear a word from me? No. There'll be true judgment. I'm fixing to listen. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to turn toward the south. Israel and Judah, and you tell them, I'm going to burn it down. I'm going to burn the green trees that are alive, and I'm going to burn the dead ones that are dried up. I'm going to burn everything. And then you get into 21, and he tells him in the first few verses exactly what he was saying. Jeremiah, or, uh, Ezekiel ended that. He said, Lord, they think I'm speaking parables. And God gets into 21, he tells him, he says, explains exactly what he said. I'm going to send judgment on you. You don't just get to come to me. You must be judged and you must turn from your wicked ways. You must turn from the things that are bad. And in doing so, there's going to be some good people, some righteous people who are going to die with the wicked. Judgment's coming. You see, you haven't truly, really repented. And I want to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, God has really dealt with me over the last few months about true repentance. Repentance about this ideal that we have in America where we go to someone and say, I'm sorry. As though, and that's a word of repentance. I'm sorry, I, I, I won't do that again. And we turn around and do it again. If we're doing that to one another, who we do see, what are we doing to God whom we don't see? See, it's time for us as people of God to repent of our slackness, of our laziness. Ladies and gentlemen, can I say this? And I, and I mean this with all... all Kindness that I know how to, our excuses of what our age is. And we need to repent of that stuff. Say, God, I, I don't care what age I am. I, I want you to use me right now just like I am for whatever I can do. God, you show me. No, listen, you know what I had to confess yesterday to the church? No more excuses. No more complaining. Man, I, I've been down in... in Bibb County and Centerville doing a men's retreat Friday and Saturday. I had to preach yesterday. I was preaching today. Getting ready for our church to go on a retreat to the mountains this week. And I was sitting over there. And I didn't complain to anybody else, Brother Steve. But I was complaining to God. I was complaining to myself. My, I'm tired. God whipped me before I could get in the pulpit yesterday up one side and down the other. I think the people out there practicing thongs thought I tore the wall down. I mean, I was crying like a little baby. Why? Because I realized that, man, 
He's been dealing with me on repentance, and here I am complaining, and I, I'm so blessed to get to preach the gospel. I get to do the greatest thing that man's ever known, preach and tell about Jesus Christ. Amen. No more complaining. No more griping about the back. None of that. God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? And God, I'm not going to be hard to hear, and I'm listening. Because some of us spend our whole life asking, God, what do you want me to do? Let's listen to see what he says. Let's do what he says. Let's make a difference. So I want to end with one of the statements I made from the beginning. And Brother Zach's going to come up. You'll be done when you take your last breath. And not until then. If you're breathing, you still have a purpose. Spread the gospel. It may have changed a little bit in how you're going to do it, but you can still do it. So I hope and I pray that as we get in this revival, it started last night, going this morning, tonight, and through several more days. You'll be honest with yourself. God, I haven't been doing it that way. The way I'm seeing this, I've backed myself right out of the fight. It's time to get back in the fight. Keep throwing punches. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and God, thank you. God, you do whatever you want to do here, Lord. This is, this is for you and about you. God, I, I pray that your word, not me, I know it won't be me, but that your word has affected someone. It's caused them to see maybe something in their life that is not where it needed to be. Excuses are being made. We're using our age, our lack of memory to make excuses why we won't do it. God, maybe there's someone here that, man, they're doing it, they're fighting it, but they know people who are giving up. And God, you're giving them the message to go tell them it's, you're not done yet. God, please, speak to our hearts. Move us. And God, you'll get glory, and we'll praise you for it all in Christ's name. Amen.